Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and can a beer be twins? I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading No One Is Talking About This by Patricia Lockwood. And Jimmy's starting with a beer. This is a beer. It's called Chasing the Chaos, because this book is about the <laughs> internet, which yeah. is chaos. It's by Phase 3 and Timber. Ales, not timber at land. He was busy. Imperial stout brewed with vanilla beans, cocoa nibs, and strawberry. Did oh, you God, just 12%. come from Missouri? <laughs> strawberry. Oh, your face <laughs> is red like a strawberry. 12%. Good luck, me. Sounds lovely. It is lovely. It's quite lovely. Three years ago, this would have been like, what an impossible combination. Who would have thought about this? But now, like, everyone has one of these, and they're all good. So, cool. I mean, it's it's a big... Strong stout with a berry flavor. Yeah, that's good. I've, I, I couldn't differentiate it from the others, but there's nothing wrong with that. This book's about chaos and Twitter. A lot of chaos. And the paperless office. <laughs> Apparently the author is, writes a lot, does a lot of tweets, basically. Writes a lot on Twitter. This is a, it's a, a pseudo-autobiographical book. The second half is at least. Well, yeah, the second the half is The first half, so the kind first. of also, in a way, in that the character is essentially her. In that she is someone who is known for being a quote being unquote, famous on the very internet. online person. She, would you use the word influencer? Um, I I guess in the loose, content in a, creator in a, loose, in a loose sense, she she is a writer. She's an essayist and a, she's primarily a poet. No, the real person. I'm, I'm, I'm at the character yeah, in the book. The real person, but in the book, she's just kind of. Is much much less developed. Than yeah, that. it's 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 more like a goofy thing. Whereas Patricia Lockwood is a well respected writer of just different stuff. She she wrote a a bunch of books of poetry. She does a lot of essays and memoir. shit like that. And she has a memoir about her dad, one of the only married Catholic priests in the world. It's called. So when I was reading this, I saw her book was called Priest Daddy. One <laughs> yeah. word, and I was like, oh, she must be a trash author. That sounds like smut. <laughs> it's like a Fifty Shades of Grey kind of book. She does write a lot of kind of smutty stuff, but... Well, I read a thing, yeah. one of one of her editors or publishers or somebody um, was like, I really liked her poems because they had this visceral feel and they had this thing. She tapped into that and whatever, and she was really horny. <laughs> That's what I said <laughs> about her poems. Oh, I've never read her poems. That was a comedian that said that. It oh, was, was it? A, Yeah, it was a comedian. No. I read one of her poems. Doesn't mean it wasn't or true. An essay. I don't know because uh, the poems don't rhyme always or ever. Maybe I don't know. But I read the one that was she's very well known for called uh, the rape joke. Rape joke. Yeah. yeah, I read that one. It's it's intense as you as you'd imagine. Yeah, I'll skip it for now. Maybe later. Um, though I did like this parts of this book, so maybe I'll, I'll dig her other shit. So the book came out in 2021. Why are we reading this again? It's a short list for the Booker, oh, which yeah. is a list of books. That verb. And the winner is chosen by Booker T from WCW. I thought it was Booker T and the MGs. Oh, yeah. The winner gets a whole plate of green onions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, the Booker is, we've talked about that before, the sort of like the biggest single literary prize in the world for book nerds. The Pulitzer is only for American authors. The Booker used to be for everybody else besides American authors, but now American authors are allowed. It has to just be published in English. That's the rule. But in terms of prize money, the Booker is a bigger prize than the Pulitzer. 
the Pulitzer was like, I don't know, 10 or 15 grand, and the Booker's like 50 or 60 grand. Just a much bigger prize. Making bank. The Pulitzer's only 15 grand? I mean, last time I looked, which was a couple years ago, it was like mm. 10, $10 or $12,000. So I'm just kind of assuming it's, they got a cola for the, the, the Pulitzer. Win for Get an RC me. cola. <laughs> no, cost of living adjustment. Duh. Oh. <laughs> 15000 yeah, you're right. $15,000. For some reason, I thought it was a lot more than that. Uh, although you I feel think. like the prestige is worth a lot. Yeah. The people who win it generally aren't in it for the money. No, because... I mean, they, they, they're nice. in it because they're trying to write quality books. Yeah. They're trying to write literary fiction. But they're probably also successful authors at that point. You know, that'd be interesting to actually look at. I don't, I don't know if that's true. The net true. worth of Pulitzer winners? Um, or Booker, I mean, a lot. You look or at a lot how of the successful winners. Pulitzer winners are before they win the Pulitzer. Mm. Well, look at, I mean, even the Pulitzer or the Booker. There's a lot of people who win it, and you never hear from them again. So you know, it's it's uh, yeah. We we read the one who won last year, the Shuggy Bane guy. And what's he been doing this last year? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Where's his next masterwork? Writing his next book, Cinnamon Bane. <laughs> Shug Knight, Bane. Shuggy Knight. We must have made that joke. No, I think they're. I think they're. I, I, it's it's a sort of thing like you, you can't really predict what kind of book will win these awards. There's certainly a type that will win or win more often than than other winners are. You know, like serious books tend to win. Dense literary fiction, like a light beach read, is not going to be in the running. Hmm. But there's no. I don't think anybody sets out and they're like, I'm going to write a Booker-winning book. Like, you can't really do that. All right, we should actually talk about the book. It's oh, hard yeah. to talk about it, the book. It's hard to talk about. The first half has very little plot, and then something actually happens in the second half in part two. I would say, so the main character, who does not get a name in the whole book, another one of those. No one gets a name, right? Yeah, actually, I think you're right. Yeah, no one. I don't think so. Um, uh, like she is famous... On the internet, essentially, she's just an internet famous person, and she became famous for the post called "Can a dog be twins?" <laughs> <laughs> but you find out nothing else about it. She's famous for she's the woman who who did "Can a dog be twins?" and travels all around the world. She gives like speeches and like she's just kind of internet famous, but she's also just on the internet all day, every day. She's like she's mainlining the internet. And it is like the very beginning of it is chaos. The very, I mean, the I mean, most of the novel, novel. Well, at least definitely the first half is just. It's almost written in tweet, not quite yeah. tweet length paragraphs, but like it's really written in these tiny little sections that maybe are too long for a tweet, but definitely the, like a the Facebook post. Count, so it's it's very maybe, stream of consciousness. Not that I'm not that I'm actually on Facebook, but. It's like it's almost like scrolling through a news feed is kind of like reading the book. Reading the book is like, kind of like scrolling yeah. through a news feed because it's random thing, jumps to random thing, jumps to random thing. But they're really well written little random things. Well, she I is a they were great. Primarily, she's a poet, so it's like little bits of prose, well written, beautiful prose about the dumbest shit. Definitely, and the the it is it is like as Mike as uh, sorry as Jimmy's beer said, it is like chaos, just trying to like be on the internet all the time. Or, uh, I would say it's kind of like space hallucinations. <laughs> I, I would, yeah. Cyberspace. Ooh. 
Uh, yes, cyberspace hallucinations. <laughs> so are we, doing, are we doing like a before and after <laughs> Wheel of Fortune? <laughs> so this is Space Hallucinations by Other Half. This is an Imperial Oat Cream India Pale Ale, 10.5% alcohol, and it's really, really good. See, I know you said oat, is, but it sounded like you said poot. I heard oot. Like you were singing Oopals and Banunus. <laughs> or I'm um, Canadian. Um, oh, yeah. Cream IPA. Is that what you said, buddy? I'm sorry. You betcha. Yeah, uh, anyway, it's it's good. This is really, really good. Yep. Super creamy. I don't, as we've said before, I don't know how the oats make it creamy, but it does. O- oats add a different sort of body to the beer. And when you put enough of them. Anyway, I'm sure there are more hops. And there are, there's a list of hops somewhere but I, on the can, but I can't find it. Anyway, it's delicious. Highly recommend it. Did I tell you this? Did we talk about this last week? I, went, I, I also have a four-pack of that in my fridge. Or, or two of the four-pack is left. And um, I was at Other Half's original location. They had 65 different beers or something like that in the 60s. Oh, yeah. And 50 of the four, IPAs. <laughs> yeah, 50 IPAs. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't even... like. Re- I, I went to Domino e- Park with I met at Domino Park with some people because it was what's Domino a friend's Park? birthday. That's their second location in Brooklyn. Someone in Williamsburg. Oh, okay. We're sitting outside, but then it was like, "Hey, go! Hey, somebody go in and like pick some more beers." And it was like some people there are not you know serious beeraholics like we are, and they're like, "Oh, IPA? I don't know." And I go in, and it's like holy shit, page after page of just IPAs. I'm like, God damn it! And then I found one thing that had fruit in it, which. Other half does really well too, and it was like, but they only really had one. I'm like, okay, guess I'm getting uh, two of those, mm. and then a couple of other things. <laughs> Just a quick dozen. for the road. <laughs> well, we should say that this beer is brought to us by our uh, our pals over at Patreon. So if you want to support the podcast, you could head over to Patreon.com/slash/DrunkGuysBookClub, where in exchange for money, you can get early access to episodes, vote in our monthly book poll, get shouted out, get exclusive content tangible goods and even participate in our quarterly live episodes just for patrons so if you were into that patreon.com slash drunk guys book club and if you're not you can also support the podcast just by leaving a review or telling someone to go listen to it or just like yell a name out in a crowded street it, they will think you're crazy not us uh, and that will be just like posting a comment on the internet actually just yelling into the void <laughs> so you know whatever whatever you'd like to do until it gets 69 likes and then delete it. Yeah. <laughs> I had a I had an idea like would we because then she took a screenshot of it in that part. She like I forget what she even posted, but she wrote a thing it's like when it gets sixty nine likes, I'm going to delete it. But she took a picture of it, and it would be funny. If she posted the picture of that until <laughs> that got sixty nine likes, and just have like oh a God. fractal thing, just like whatever Constantly the fuck the right word for that is. It's it's likeception. Yeah. <laughs> just just keep doing. Here's the. Post of the post, uh, the picture of the picture of the picture of the picture that got 69 likes. Oh, 63 likes, almost there. (laughs) So the first part, it seems pretty critical of internet culture. Quite. Yeah, I don't know. That's where I'm not sure. I think it's just trying to replicate what it's like to be on the internet. And certainly there are some critiques of it, but I don't think it's super critical I think that it's just like saying, this is the way things are. And there's problems with it, but there's problems with everything. That's I don't a cop-out answer. There's problems with everything, sure. But yeah. they're, they're, like, here I, it's I, specifically it, about the internet. Yeah, but it, it, didn't, it didn't read like a... Uh, like, 
I, I actually I looked up it, it reviews about this book because I wanted someone smarter than me to tell me about it, the people who read professionally. It said, this was the New York Times one, it said, a good novel... Not just read for beer money, like us. Yeah, beer money. <laughs> some, we, we we'll read, read some for of beer some money. Some of the beer money. <laughs> uh, it said, a good novel would not speak in the voice of the internet, it would speak over it, and the clamor it made would allow its critics to hazard a stronger claim for the value of the novel to our virtual lives. For all the local beauty and humor of no one is talking about this, it does not feel like a good novel exactly, because it does not feel like a novel at all. But nowadays, what does? That's some fucking pretentious shit. (laughs) Well, of course. It's a fucking New York Times review about a Booker shortlist winner. But it's like... That's just like someone all the other smell books their own about, farts talking. That's uh, <laughs> obnoxious. Yeah. Well, there was all that sentence about farts too in this. Um, but what, the way it read to me was like there, all these other books about how like the internet is destroying culture. And in some ways it is, but it's just changed Also it. democracy. Yes. Well, that's a larger issue. But I, I, especially for someone like Patricia Lockwood, who is famous and is her job is the internet. I don't know if she's critical of it in the same way that other shit like this is. I'm not saying she's necessarily biting the hand that feeds, but she's definitely pointing out that there's a lot of flaws with internet culture. Like oh, specifically yeah. Twitter is what this really seems to be about, like Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Uh, yes. I think though, I was also thinking that this book has so much in it that you can both find whatever you're looking for in order to like confirm your own beliefs. Like, also, like the just like the internet. <laughs> <laughs> But it also has amazing, uh, amazing lines. Just like it's one of the most things. beautifully written books in the uh, world. I just literally just like like swiped to a random <laughs> page, and here's a quote: "Inside the portal." Oh yeah, she calls the internet the portal. That's and it's really talking about Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Inside the portal, a man who three years ago yeah. only ever posted <laughs> things like. Quote, I'm a retard with butt AIDS, was now exhorting, ex- exhorting people to open their eyes to the power of socialism, which di- suddenly did seem the only way. I fucking know that guy. I know people who do that. They, you know, that, that have guy. lived that, that journey. We've all lived that journey. Everyone knows people like that. That's what the internet is. Well, there is, there is a part of the, there are, there are people on the internet who, you know, for our generation, where Facebook was a thing that just came out when we were going into college. Literally, like the year or like the year before. Or in Nate's class when they first put him on an ice flow and let him leave <laughs> the Inuit village. <laughs> <laughs> and I floated all the way to Palo Alto, and then they let me on the internet. <laughs> but, Why is Nate an Inuit in this situation? <laughs> I just needed something for him to be really old. <laughs> but, um. But it, it was stupid. I remember I was in a Facebook group in 2005 that was, like, this was back when, like, your relationship status could be, it's complicated. And yeah. you were still, like, the poke function, which I never knew what that really was. You could just poke someone on Facebook. Yeah, because it didn't have the feed back then. Right. It was just, the it was just, like, comment. And I remember I was in a Facebook group called, don't you hate it when your scrotum sticks to the side of your leg? I, like, I fucking do hate that. That's annoying. <laughs> I was in a group for that. Like, that's how serious this was. This thing that was just for cerebral college students. Yeah. But now there are people that I was on, that was Facebook friends back then before I deleted my profile, who they write political screeds. You know, they're just like, yeah, they're called parents. Well, no, people our age. (laughs) My my dad is a menace on on Facebook. But 
But <laughs> people our age who just like write their things and they try to like combine it with memes as if that's how you convince people you're right. Yeah. And they might be. I don't know. <laughs> that's like And that's how people get convinced my nowadays. Heart that it might be true. But that's what they do. They it it became true. It shouldn't have been true, but it eventually willed itself into being. I had a, I had a thought when I was reading this. If she had written this book like this 15 years ago, would it have been incoherent gibberish? Oh, that's Yes, that's it would question. not be. It would be almost impossible. This would this would be I think incoherent gibberish or like beat poetry, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like for instance, here's another good quote. 100 years ago, her cat might have been called oh, Mittens I, I or Pussy Willow. Song. Now her cat was called Dr. Butthole. There was no way out of it. Dr. Butthole, she called at night, almost until despair, until he tried to the door. The bright feathers of her dignity clinging to his lips and disappeared in alternating strips, stripes over the threshold. Anyway, Did, Didn't this, Jimmy say this was a beautifully written book? Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I agree with that. But also, you know, she's kind of making fun of the fact that, or she's poking, poking oh. the fact Ooh. that on oh. the internet, everything's about irony yeah. and it's just everything is or ironic. Just being and a so, stupid dick. Instead <laughs> yeah. of calling your cat mittens. They actually don't know what mittens, irony is. <laughs> instead of calling your cat mittens, it, they, you have to name your cat Dr. Butthole. Because <laughs> it is funnier. It, it oh, it's absolutely is. funny. Dr. Butthole's a great name for a cat. You know what it reminded me of? When we were at that Primus concert, all three of us, and that guy next to us was wearing that gas station attendant shirt, and his, his light name tag said, Butt Particle. <laughs> <laughs> remember that guy? <laughs> I remember just the phrase, Butt Particle. Yeah, he had a name tag on like a bowling shirt. <laughs> it was embroidered. It's from, a, from a different time. Yes, I, 2014. I <laughs> what she also points out here, she makes a lot of comments about how shallow the people who use social media are. How they're just, at one point she uses the language of like a school of fish that just changes direction. Yeah, well, everything's about the zeitgeist, and the zeitgeist lasts about four hours. And I like this, I think this quote is particularly illustrative of that. There was a new toy. Everyone was making fun of it. But then it was said to be designed for autistic people, and then no one made fun of it anymore, but made fun of the people who were making fun of it previously. Then someone else discovered a stone version from a million years ago in some museum, and this seemed to prove something. Then the origin of the toy was revealed to have something to do with Israel and Palestine, and so everyone made a pact never to speak of it again, and all of this happened in the space of like four days. That's how so much shit. That's how so much shit happens on social media. It's just yeah, mindless bandwagoning about nonsense. It's like, how is that not? I mean, she's pointing out what happens. I don't think she's saying, and I'm glad that it does. No, especially at the end of the book when there's like they're like realize like oh fuck like how do we balance being a human being with using the internet? I feel like she's not that she's not praising it a whole lot, whole lot. No, you know, no, despite the fact that a lot of this, a lot of the stuff on the internet is funny, what other good is there? Porn. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Obviously, it's porn. I would go with you know access to all knowledge, but yeah, I'm going to go with porn too. Access. There was to a all quote porn. about always looking stuff up. Yeah, there's a bunch of passages about like just reading the Wikipedia article on Marlon Brando and shit like that, which I have on my phone. 
I have like 400 tabs open in, you know, whatever the internet thing is called. Oh my God, why? Because I was like, I want to read this later. I just don't have time. And then I'll just open another tab. And then every once in a while I'll go back and kind of clear through them. And I'll go like, all right, what the fuck is this? And it's like, like I'm looking right now. All right, I have the Wikipedia article open for you season three. I can close that. (laughs) I have the Wikipedia article for Truman Capote. Probably we were talking about doing one of his books. Wiki how, how to juggle. I'm not going to close that. I'm going to read that one day. I, <laughs> still, see I still need to know how. I st- you know what? Because my kid wants me to juggle, and I can only keep faking it for so long. <laughs> she's, she's too dumb to know that I'm not really juggling right now. <laughs> but she one know day, what juggling actually is. She knows, what it, she knows, the, she knows the gist of it. <laughs> but it's know that me you're throwing it. one ball up and down, or two balls, maybe. So I'm going to come back to that. And then I have, you know, like, a random article from The Guardian. Has science solved the mystery of the hiccup? I don't know. I haven't read that yet. I have to find out. <laughs> like, just like dumb shit. Like, we do a lot of that. Read like very surface level stuff. You read the on, headlines. I mean, I'll read. I mean, I didn't delete the article, so it's not like I'll never read it, but I probably won't. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of the internet, people buy a lot of shit on the internet. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> you do. bought some things on Constantly. the internet. Uh, like maybe you bought us a beer. And sometimes when you buy things... More when you bought them on the phone and from the TV, but you might make four easy payments. Uh, and this beer is called Four Easy Payments. It's an Imperial IPA. <laughs> I didn't say it was a good, a good connection. It's good enough. It's a very good beer uh, from Other Half. It is a 10% alcohol IPA, and it's, it's clearly modeled on the like as seen on TV kind of fucking advertising kind of shit. Oh, it says yeah. operators are standing by. And I think we had. I know. Actually, I know I had. I think it was when we did Dianetics, which is a Patreon exclusive episode that they had uh, another version of this, and it was called Limited Time Offer. It was almost the exact same art and very similar beer. Tempers and Alcohol IPA, delicious. Just another one in the uh, stream of late night TV ad themed beers. Well, I mean, the irony of the of the internet has seeped into many other things, and having a like a lot of beer marketing is similar in the kind of ironic use of other stuff, right? Like, oh, this, yeah. we're going to make this beer look like that, like a fucking Ron Propeal commercial. Who? The fucking set it and forget it guy. The celebrity rotisserie the, oven. The, phrase. the rotisserie ovens, yeah. yeah. Okay. Ron Propeal was America's pitch man. He just died like last year. He was like 100. He, Good he for launched him. Like, like the Vegomatic and shit like that. Like he was, that was... Oh, yeah. I just never actually saw a lot of like of those late night infomercials. I never really watched any of them. I know so where the Vegematic is. Your parents is. paid for cable. <laughs> your yes. TV to watch at night. <laughs> so there were lots of like funny, ironic passages, and they're they're funny to quote. Like I found myself highlighting tons of different things, such as "Are you crying?" Her husband asked, slinging his backpack on uh, into a chair. She stared at him blurrily. Of course she was crying. Why wasn't he crying? Why hadn't he seen the video of a woman with a deformed bee for a pet? And the bee loved her, and then the bee died. That's the whole section. That is like the whole, the whole thing. It's indicative of the whole book. I like this line. And the internet. Yeah. I take it for granted that at some point in the course of human events, you will see a reason to put increasing amounts of your balls online. <laughs> Just, okay. I'll take that under advisement. She used the in the course of human events line more than once in the book. I like phrasing the one about uh, the bog body. Which is a particular bog body has about the bog bodies in 
Ireland, where they find these like preserved bodies in the swamps there. A particular bog body had had its nipples cut off, since sucking a king's nipples was a sign of submission in ancient Ireland. You know what? I heard an entire podcast series about that That's exact true. body. That's a real thing, yeah. It was like they're trying to like identify like this torso they found and whose body it was. Like, well, it's got no nipples. And they cut the nipples off because it was like a thing where they wanted to say, like, this guy is no longer king. He was like a sacrifice, probably, to like appease some gods after a harvest, maybe. And I was like, I was like, fuck, I actually know that one story about this nippleless torso they found in the bogs because I was on the internet. I think a nippleless torso in the bogs is a war song. I thought it was Crosby Stills and Nash. Oh, it could be, yeah. Guarded a cover. To Sweet Mickey Blue Eyes. <laughs> yes. Or, but then there's also stuff, comments about the political animosity on the internet, right? Yeah. So there's, on the there's one hand, the extreme QAnon kind of world of people, of, you know, super far right. Um, and she mentioned, frequent mention of the dictator, who's obviously Trump. And then, definitely Trump. On the other hand, there's like what might be called the woke people on the internet who are just kind of looking for something to be mad at and they're mad at history and whatever and always trying to like rectify things in the name of justice. But like sometimes, at least according to, at least in some of the passages, inconsistently, like the part where they talk about like hashtag me too, which is like we wanted all the bastards locked up, but we also wanted the end of the prison state. So like they don't really, <laughs> all right. Uh, it's written in the language of the internet. Because the internet, the people, the internet is, we talk about the internet as if it's one thing, but it really is just this protean thing, which is important. Oh, protean, because, yeah. See, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm setting up the second half of the book. Actually, the, the quote about the end of the prison state, the end of the carceral state, has uh, the second half of that line, and I want to I find that, because actually, she actually referenced Cersei by Madeline Miller. In oh, or line. put them on an island where men are turned to pigs. Is what she yes, says, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> One end the carceral state and to, and to be replaced with an island where the men or where all men are turned to pigs. And it's like, wait, hold on. I think I know that reference. And is that better? That does. Uh, well, that they're more delicious. Like... More bacon. <laughs> so, yes, better. Bacon. Or here's another line that's a little more direct. White people who had the political educations of potatoes, lumpy, unseasoned, and biased towards the Irish, (laughs) were suddenly feeling compelled to speak out about injustice. This happened once every 40 years on average, usually after a period when folk music became popular again. (laughs) When folk music became popular again, it reminded people that they had ancestors, and then, after a considerable delay, that their ancestors had done bad things. So thanks, Mumford and Son. Ugh. It's all your fault. <laughs> I, I, bet, I bet you could write a whole fucking thesis, like a master's or even a dissertation, on the theory of the relationship between folk music and public protest. <laughs> like, I mean, folk oh, music I'm sure is that's been done. Gener- folk a lot music of times is public music. protest. Yeah. Protest here, 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 her, her thesis seems to be that folk music becomes popular and then the protests. It's come probably afterwards. a chicken or the egg thing. That's because folk music's played on a farm where there are chickens and eggs, obviously. Yeah. But you're not allowed to eat those eggs. Or then there's a whole lot of other stuff. I and mean, the author is around our age. She's in her later 30s, or maybe she's 40 now. Actually, I also looked up, you know, stuff about the book on the internet and saw the same New York Times article. And I, the author, she looks a lot like Eleven from Stranger Things. The hair, very, very short cropped hair, right? Also, just with the way her face just generally looks similar. Okay, to I could see that. But there's, a, there's a... a um, a meme, so to speak, uh, amongst 
a lot of millennials of blaming their parents for everything. You know, oh, if only my parents had done this, then doing that since I, Freud. Um, but I think like, I think I think it's more. Uh, it's certainly voiced more uh, in recent memory than it was, say, in the Boomers generation. What? No, 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 no. The Boomers did all they ever talked about was blaming their parents for everything. That was a, That was like, don't trust anyone over let me, 30. Let me rephrase. They're blaming them for like political actions. They're blaming them for like the state of government and the state of like wars and stuff like that, as opposed to blaming them for like why I, I'm unhappy with my hobbies and passions in life are not fulfilling. It's by parents' fault. It's a very different type of blame that gets passed. That's because no one's been allowed to talk about that until now. Maybe. Because complaining I mean, about mental I don't health know is considered about... gay or something. But like there's this one particular thing, right? She goes... Jetlag had a habit of turning her into her mother, a high school librarian with a quiet drinking problem. If only my mother had been a college librarian, she thought, then I would have had a real shot at the right ideas. And that just strikes me as a very internet idiot kind of opinion to voice. To be like, oh. Yeah, I think that's I, exactly the point. It is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, that's Nailed just, it. We're just pointing out more things in the book about the internet, but it does, again... Not not very praising of the internet. She's pointing no, out like this. I, I don't think she. I don't think she's praising it. That word is. But I, I, I think that a lot of the books about this are all the essays written by like old people about how the internet is the death of culture. They don't. They they don't have anything generally good to say about it. It's like those people don't read books anymore or shit like that. Or you know, no one has an attention span. And you know, maybe they're not. They're not wrong about all these things. I feel like she is. She's certainly there are there are critiques, but I don't. I don't think she's trying to say like that we are that this is wrong. That that this is just this is what things are now. This is the new way of doing things, and maybe that's a val- like not giving a value judgment to that. There's certainly like critiques to be made of it that she does make, but I, I don't think she has the same like snobbiness that some of those older books have, or at least it's more. Maybe it's because she's more self aware. About it, like this is what we are. This is what we are now. How do we deal with it? Well, I mean, I think this this passage where she wrote, "quote The Unabomber had been right about everything." Well, yes. not everything. <laughs> the Unabomber stuff he had gotten wrong, but the stuff about the Industrial <laughs> Revolution had been right on the money. That kind of sounds like the, the old internet. person complaining. Well, thing. right after that, it says a reporter had once asked the Unabomber if he was afraid he was losing his mind in prison. He says, no, what worries me is that I might, in a sense, adapt to this environment and come to be comfortable here and not resent it anymore. But, he, but the thing he was resenting was the lack of nature, the disconnect from the world and just being, because yeah. he's in the, like, that Colorado supermax prison where you don't even see sunlight anymore. Yeah. Um, he's, still al- he's still alive, isn't he? Yeah, he's still alive. Fuck. Still, um, no mailing privileges, shockingly. <laughs> but, <laughs> they could check pretty thoroughly, I'd have to imagine. <laughs> no pen pals. And he really <laughs> overshadowed his uh, successor in the 90s, the, the Uno Bomber, who kept mailing people draw fours. He's <laughs> <laughs> just, I. I might lose those memories and lose that sense of contact with wild nature in general. Yes. Well, he was talking also, about that, but she was something talking about also the same. true about someone who lives entirely on the internet. You don't yeah. go outside and just stare at a screen. I'm, I'm sorry. I still think 
this is not, I still think this is more critical than not of the internet. And she's saying the Unabomber had some good ideas. <laughs> and his ideas were like, go in the woods, smell a fucking flower, and send bombs to people you don't like. But the, the nature is important. It's, it's hard to differentiate what she is saying and what the internet or the portal is saying. Because there are people on there that's like, well, you know... Hitler had a few good ideas or some shit like ah oh, or Mussolini you know, the trains ran on time shit like that it's like oh Which the Unabomber true, had some way. good ideas I know that it's not true because they're Italians they're bad at everything especially trains he made one train run on time once there's like only one documented time <laughs> because Where it was any like, train was on time it in was, Italy but on the internet on the internet the trains are always on time under Mussolini because well, the internet is shallow and, and stupid, has no actual understanding of things. I mean, it's just. I, I also feel like the book is pretty critical of the internet, but I actually would want to now that I think about it. I'm wondering if this is just confirmation bias because that is what I already think, and that's what I already, and so that's what I took away from the book. I would kind of like to, though I won't ever do this, like to actually go through it again and just analyze it more closely for that particular question. I feel like it's something you could read a hundred times. And get a different answer every time. I don't. <laughs> I think Based it's on how you're feeling, clear. I yeah. agree with what Nate's saying because yeah. I thought I had a similar thought. Like, am I just seeing what I want to see here? That's confirmation bias, right? Yeah. But then find the quotes that are different. Like, there's a lot more quotes you could pull up where it just points out how simplistic the thought of people on in the, in the internet is. And I don't see. I I don't recall any passages. Where they're like, and look at the great richness of experience available on Instagram. <laughs> there was nothing. Oh, naming of that. your cat Doctor Butthole. <laughs> maybe, I mean, name, maybe, yeah. I know. I got, I got what you're saying. Maybe I'm not. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to. I mean, it's, it's like maybe it was this passage you're talking about when it says, "Was the phrase the braille of her nipples to be absolutely retired?" I feel like that's pretty rich. I th- I would say that's a positive one for the internet. <laughs> I think she writes better than most of the internet. I think the braille of her nipples was a line from Helen Keller's penned erotica. <laughs> Jesus. Well, the internet is a <laughs> shitty mess, and sometimes when you read it a I lot, what it, it feels like you just have a lot of brain stew. <laughs> this is brain stew from Beer Tree Brew. It's a double IPA, 8.3%. Oh, God. These are both strong. Good thing it's... Yeah, it's really good. It's a fucking double IPA. It's good thing it's Monday. Um, yeah, Monday. It's it's like all the other ones. You know, it's fine. It's good. I've got nothing bad to say about it. It's perfectly acceptable. I could not place this in a lineup. It's pretty tough to these days. With double yeah. IPAs. Yeah. The stout shelf at the beer store I go to is like one shelf. There, there's a, you know what? There's a lot more variety now, but it's all like dumb shit I don't want, like pilsners. And Hella's Keller beer and shit like that. Uh, there was a beer I almost got for this one called Lowbrow. It was a Hellas. We don't like Greeks. I should have gotten that for Cersei. <laughs> but the, um, I, I don't know what the technical term for eaten butt is, but I like this passage too. Oh, Maybe the, this is a positive one. It was like internet. a scam. Yeah. <laughs> Our enemies. <laughs> it sounds like a, it sounds like a translated speech from Aristotle, like, you know, the, the great rhetoricians or whatever the fuck that word is. Is tossing salad the, clinical term what if they had planted the idea about eating ass to make us all suddenly want and claim to eat ass 
to talk constantly about our devotion to eating ass, <laughs> to pose on our album covers with napkins tied around our necks and knives and forks poised over delectable asses. <laughs> God, it was genius. No swifter way to bring down the supposed citizen of the free world than to transform them to a nation of ass eaters. It's possible. I, I, I mean, maybe. It's possible. There's a non-zero chance. They're like, this one will never work, but let's see what happens. <laughs> Maybe some people just like looking buddy, booty hole. It happens. Oh, but it's, like, it's a much bigger thing among people seven years younger than us. Definitely not people my <laughs> age. <laughs> and a hundred seven years younger than me. Every hot dog you eat is essentially like eating an ass. So, And then when you f- have a hot dog fart into your partner's mouth, it's like a <laughs> kaleidoscope of ass eating. Just... It's like that Different last, layers. it's like the end of Interstellar when he's in like the fifth dimension inside the time, but it's a, it's a, it's a butthole inside of a butthole. It's butthole. Is that like the, the mouth from the xenomorph and aliens? Just yes. like a butthole comes <laughs> Another out. Another one comes out. <laughs> it's just as wet too. So Nate, you have any thoughts about the first half of the book? Another good quote. Don't normalize it with like five exclamation points. We shouted at each other. But all we were normalizing was the use of the word normalize, which sounded like the action of a, of a oh, ray yeah. gun wielded by a guy named Norm to make <laughs> everyone around him norm as well. It's just kind of like, these are, it's almost like memes. It's almost like, yeah. and, and a lot of this stuff, I was recognizing, thing, recognizing things I have seen on the internet, you know, or news articles that I've seen. And so she's taking a lot of this stuff from, from Real like... life. Things she really did see, see, probably things she actually tweeted. Certain people were born with the internet inside them and suffered greatly from it. Tom York was one of them, she thought, and curled up in her chair to watch the documentary. Meeting people is easy. It's like, Tom York, really? Anyway, and then that was it. It didn't really explain what that means. Oh, no, there's the thing about people shouting the words to creep. He's a fucking weird dude, so I believe it. The first half doesn't really have much of a plot or any plot at all. And so when I was reading that, I was like, though I still enjoyed it a lot. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. But I was like, you know what? There's really no plot here. So I don't feel, I feel like because it has no plot, it's not really, it's not going to win. It's not going to win the booker. It just isn't because it's just a little bit too different. Anyway, and then I got to part two, which was really fucking sad. Getting hit with a fucking truck like holy shit okay so suddenly you get to part two and then it starts out with like one little like meme thing in the front and then it says you know she gets a message from her sister the, the main character who is nameless and no one else no one else has a name either um gets a message from her sister and it says and, and you don't doesn't tell you what the there's some, something's gone wrong or something something there's a problem so she goes to see her sister, and her sister, who is pregnant, finds out that her unborn child has pro- Proteus disease. It's the same. It's the protein El- elephant no, man syndrome. It is the same. Is the syndrome that that caused that it was the elephant man, where it causes your not just some of your, some of your bones, possibly all of them, and tissue bones well. and tissues and stuff to grow extremely abnormally and anyway and so the the whole family is there and it's still written in these little small chunks small sections and you're sort of it's almost you feel like you're getting little glimpses of it and then 
and then it's there's a section is really about abortion about whether you know whether they should abort the baby or not but they can't because they're in Texas and because there's they're a in Ohio. law Ohio they're, I thought they were in Texas no I guess they're in Ohio but she lives in Ohio but I thought her sister lives in Texas that's where they were doing it that's Either where, way, they, that's they, where they, the they, sister they're lives. where they live they can't get an abortion at least not easily if at all and then they mention once like if they were to go to some other state to do it and they say their parents mm-hmm. would never speak to them again so they they're in Ohio this. because they talk about how it's like the, one of the worst phrases in the English language is there's a new law in Ohio and you can't get an abortion after a certain time or before a certain time. And her sister is like two weeks before that. Yeah, but the problem just, with the child is that its head is growing exponentially and it could kill her if they yes. continue to do that. So they have to induce, but she's not allowed to induce because of the law. Oh, so you they have to get an exemption. You can't induce, yes. And then, But the doctors are also saying that the baby's probably just not going to live anyway. But then it does. But they're also it, all kind of like hoping to get to look at it. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. had like a kind of wolfish, like, ooh, let me get at that baby kind of thing about them. I want to study it because it's, a, it's such one a one in rare, a billion disease. Well, this is this is based on her real life. Yeah, I didn't know that until afterwards. If I had known that, I would have trouble getting through it. Her sister had, I believe, the first case of this that was diagnosed in utero. Yeah. Because there's only been like 200 people ever diagnosed with this rare disorder. And in fact, people aren't even 100% sure if the elephant man, what's his name, John Merrick, if he even actually had this. He might have had something else wrong with him. It's an extremely rare disorder caused by some sort of genetic mutation. Um, so to it's identify like one the, chromosome is deleted or one gene is off, and it makes your like the limiting factor of growth get fucked up. And it only, but it only does it in fucking some. It, it's 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 not like it's not like giantism where you'll be just get really tall or something or really large. Mm. It's it's super deformed, like you know, like the elephant man. Man. It's the only I mean, one people know about because it's the only time that it happened, maybe. No, there's, there's people, you can look up pictures of it. It's, it's upsetting. It's the only one like, everyone knows. Like, you, you hear Elephant Man, they're like, oh, yeah, that. I just think of uh, those, uh, some of Michael Jackson's greatest boners worth looking at the Elephant Man's skeleton. What? Right, didn't, didn't, didn't Michael Jackson buy the Elephant Man's bones? You know, that sounds like something you read on the internet that could either be 100% true or 100% fake. Well, this is a whole book about the internet. Elephant man. Let's see what the internet says. Let's go in the portal. The end of the Wikipedia entry is usually the least accurate. That's true. (laughs) According to the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, River from a 1986 thing, Michael Jackson at least offered to buy them in 1987. What would he going to do with those? Oh, you don't even want to know what he was going to do with those. Yeah, that's, but what's fucked that's up is in 1987, true. the skeleton, he was like 130 years old. That's way too old for Michael Jackson. He needs to be like a... <laughs> By a factor of 10. 120th of that age. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. But that was, a, that was a whole thing. Like That was a whole... Like, Michael Jackson bought his bones, and nobody was like, that's impossible. People were like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> that was... Yeah. People were like that. That I can see that. I can see Michael Jackson doing that. That makes some for some reason. I don't know. Makes Which perfect makes sense. It true enough for the internet. True enough is really the the correct phrase. The key phrase. <laughs> yes. True enough for the internet. 
So, okay, the second half of the book, so that the child is discovered to have this disease, and the first the doctors are saying the baby's not going to live anyway, but then the mother, but then, you know, the mother could actually just die before the baby's even born, so they actually get special permission to basically do a C-sec, do a, you know, C-section at, I forget the number of weeks, but it was a very like low 35. number of weeks. That which is like sounds like not nearly enough. But okay, so they and so but they were the, expecting then, the baby to die right away because yes. it was so early. But uh, amazingly, doesn't. And then they uh, the baby gets stronger enough, you know, and the whole family's there. Uh, the baby gets stronger enough, and then after a certain amount of time, they're allowed to take the baby home. And then the baby has. Does the baby even get a name? No, the baby no doesn't even get a name. No, no one in the whole book gets a name. I'm sure that they kind of name like it in this world, but Milkman, yeah, in yeah. which no one got a name. You can check out our episode on that on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so the ba- so the baby does doesn't like it is never normal, never is going to be like a regular person, and and is going to die. Yes, soon, but they don't. And, the, know and kind of, she's blind. Yeah, they were going to sew her eyes shut. That was yeah. I don't really understand that why, but I assume there was a reason. But they decided she to. couldn't close her eyes because they would, like, dry out all the time. Yeah, and then, and then anyway. So after a while, the baby gets is like it seems to be doing well, and everybody's happy. But then definitely gets worse. And then um, they know that it's not going to last much longer and, and makes it to, the baby makes it to six months. And then by this time, the baby already has to go back to the hospital and is on oxygen. She has constant seizures yeah. for like an hour at a time. That's brutal. It's, yeah. This is one of the most brutal things I've ever read. It was. And, no, it and was finding out afterwards sad. that it was real was probably worse. No, definitely worse. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because I didn't know it was real until just now. Even anyway, not knowing, even knowing it, even thinking it was fake at the time I read it, it was still upsetting. Yeah, it was very horrible. And then I found out that it actually happened. I was like, Jesus Christ! It, it made it. I don't know if I. I don't know how I would have dealt with it if I knew that it was basically retelling what really happened. Because this is the first part of the book that actually like focuses on one thing, but it's still written in tweet form, which is how. We digest a lot of suffering of humanity these days. I think it's how people always have digested suffering. Oh, another headline about the Uyghurs. Okay, I'm going to scroll past that. Yeah, exactly. But I think in general, when people go through a traumatic experience, it is very like fragmentary in their memory. Yeah, but it's still written in a way. It didn't suddenly become like pages. The sections got a little bit longer because I think it, it was kind of like... Half a page each. <laughs> yeah. It was basically like... The point of it is, is like we... This is how we both give and receive information nowadays. How do we deal with that when sudden something so fucking horrible just rips you back into the real world or reality? And this is still how you process shit. Like even when this kid stuff is going on, her sister's still making like weird meme jokes and like wearing bright pink to the funeral and yelling about buttholes and stuff. Because that's all they're able to do. They've been they've like lost the ability. Yeah, the process conditioned. Well, there was a, a thing I, I, I highlighted this passage about when she's flipping through her phone after the baby has died, and she's looking at um, the picture she has, 
She goes, surrounding the meticulous documentation of the baby's final days in her photo roll were a picture of Ray Liotta's recent plastic surgery, a screenshot (laughs) of a news story about how fake nudes of a congresswoman had been debunked by by foot fetishists. I remember that. I remember that happening. A blonde Fox News anchor with a graphic next to her reading, the hat that dare not show its brim. A fluffy eagle with black wings and filmy gray eyes that, as her friends had spent one marvelous free field day pointing out, looked like it knew the exact hour when you would die. And the minutes before it happened. Herself bent over in the darkness of that hospital room and wearing ta- sailor stripes. It would show up on her screen in, screen in another year, the announcement that she had a new memory. It's like, nothing has I any... Hate it when the new memory thing pops up. It's like fucking. I know I was there, and I just. <laughs> I really hate it. And you know what? The one of the drawbacks of the Apple, Apple photos, you know, like new memory thing, is what if you were taking some pictures of something that's that painful, and then it just pops up with that a year later, four years later. Well, this is the one. Where the picture she's when she burned her butthole in a bathtub with the, with the like the. A pine balm or whatever the fuck she yeah. put something in there. Her behole. Oh yeah, it was behole. Like, yeah. I think that's what a that's what Baha'i people call it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it just and just again, like people have lost any sense of like scope in their life. The fact that like right next to the pictures of her beloved niece who had this tortured horrible brief existence is a fucking screenshot of Ray Liotta because like look how stupid it was uh, flashing through her pictures but in the middle of it was someone with like a tattooed butthole (laughs) I I make fun of it I have the exact same shit on my phone like I have your daughter and then a picture of of my kid who's a healthy happy child but I have like pictures of my beautiful daughter and then like a picture of me holding the beer and then, like, a picture of a fucking, like, I'm just looking at right now, I'm like, I, I, I have a picture of her playing, a bunch of those, and then a picture, a screenshot I took, it says, if that goth girl gives you a chance for this, gives you a chance this month, don't fall for it, it's just a sacrifice. Because I took a picture, of it, like, I'm just not at the mark. <laughs> and then more pictures of my kid, and then a picture of, like, a meme where it's, like, half Mark Hamill's face, half Luke, uh, half uh, Ken doll. <laughs> <laughs> just like nonsense but that's what we do like it's like technology stuff is like kind of relegated like all like pictures used to be like a special thing and now you have a picture of like your fucking bowel movements and they're just <laughs> rate my com. this quote i wrote down i feel this one's quite important and it got me thinking about the way things are these days it's about james joyce oh it says, stream of consciousness was long ago conquered by a man who wanted his wife to fart all over him. That's James Joyce. You can read the letters. They're hilarious. Did she, did she really, he really wanted her to fart on him? You ever read James Joyce's fart letters? About how he no. loves his wife farts? They're hilarious. He's like, you know, he's James Joyce, like one of the greatest English language authors of all time. And he has these beautifully written letters to his wife about how she wants, he wants to inhale her farts. I can't believe you don't know about this, Michael. This is right up your alley. Books and farts. I can't think of anything you should know more about than this. That is the intersection of the two alleys I live on. Uh, (laughs) Shit. All right. Literally. I have homework. Air shit. Um, But he says, but what about the stream of consciousness that is not entirely your own? 
one that you participate in, but that also acts upon you. That's a good way to describe the internet. It's yeah. Social media in particular. Like stream of consciousness when you read like Ulysses, it's it's fucking impossible. That's why we've never but done we it. We are now like everything we do on the internet is stream of consciousness. There's no connections between shit, your Twitter feed, your Facebook things, your Instagrams, your Friendster feed, your uh whatever's on MySpace happening, you know, every WhatsApp group you're in. Everything we do is just a barrage of non sequiturs, and we become accustomed. Except to that. for the drunk guys book club, yeah, where it's like thirty percent poop stuff. We're on topic for at least forty five minutes every episode. Yeah, that's that's wildly above average. Probably right. I don't want to derail it. You guys keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking above average, remember this time I took a shit. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't me. Just like that's what the Shaggy song is actually about. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, 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 you thought I was fucking that girl? Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. That's it was what the totally noise. just <laughs> that. The screaming, the screaming in a girl voice was me taking a shit that hurt. <laughs> Shaggy's Caribbean. It could have been like a really spicy thing he ate. Like that's true. It's like real hot jerk chicken coming out the next day. Just Shaggy, you know, just trying to get it out, <laughs> Mister Pootastic. <laughs> So okay, by so thanks. The second half <laughs> is the book is very sad. The baby dies, and then they talk about the funeral and how sad everybody is, and how but everybody also how keeps weird crying. everyone is. Yeah, uh, and then the book ends. No, I feel like there was like, and, and then it, there's it, a it little, pretty much there's ends a little right bit away. of a thing at the end, but basically it ends. Oh well, okay. She talks about how. So she kind of goes back to her life as a person who's famous on the internet, and she's invited to to do a talk at the British Museum. I think that's what it was. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. she's like, "Why the fuck am I here?" British Museum, and she like she's doing the thing. She's like, "Here's my like funny PowerPoint presentation," but also not actually believing in it anymore, and just sort of. And sort of has kind of a surreal experience of like this is dumb, and I feel and okay. One thing that the second half of the book is about is like how the on the internet nothing is actually that serious. I mean, people are very serious about it, it's but it's not really just not serious. serious. Whereas you know when you're you know when you with the thing you know with I almost said the thing with the baby because it's like so horrifying I can't even speak about it. But you know it, this is like such a human tragedy so personal to them to the family that how does it compare like you just it's so different it's real life it's real rather than the stupid fake irony of the internet that she kind of you know can't go back to it or at least not entirely or she has a different perspective afterward as in like oh the the internet isn't real the internet is just all this fake stuff but this real life is real. I mean, I, I think uh, the, the quote, I, I found the passage you're talking about, and she says, it was fitting finally to appear in that place and exhibit herself and far from away, collaged together in body and mind, monstrous in the eyes of the future, an imbecile before the Rosetta Stone, disturber of the dead, deadest tombs, butterfly catcher and butterfly killer, soon to be folded between two pages herself and speak about the liftedness of little and large things. I kind of took from that to she recognizes that she's like an internet celebrity and it's... Who the fuck am I? It's nothing. Yeah, she's nothing. <laughs> she's a fucking nobody. 
Yeah. She had a good tweet. It wasn't even that good. It was. I mean, it's pretty funny. It's Can like, a dog be twins? Yeah, I thought about it for a second. I was like, yeah, sure, I guess. <laughs> but that is the kind of thing that for no reason gets elevated randomly and suddenly someone's famous. It's like the um, the fucking what color is this dress meme, you know, or that, that thing from a couple years ago. Yeah. Or like the, the fucking kid who was uh, the, the, the finger biting kid. Well, I just took it from like a thing where people will then talk about and they'll say, yeah, I think, yes, a dog can be twins. <laughs> <laughs> you have a litter of twins. <laughs> so the thing is about social media is that anything that gets engagement gets elevated, you know, gets shown to more people. And But engagement can be negative. Engagement like people, is often negative. Uh, in always. fact, negative engagement is often more powerful than positive engagement. Because someone, just something that's like just kind of true, people are like, uh, it's it's unremarkable. It's like, well, yeah, duh, of course that's true. You know one remarks about it. But when someone says something that's absolutely fucking incorrect, then people, even people commenting no, this is wrong. I'm an expert in this area, and I can tell you that this is incorrect. That will get the post. Will get more. More. We, the algorithm will put that post in front of more people's eyes because of that, and then more people will comment. No, this is fucking wrong, and then we'll be put in more in front of more people's eyes. And so, false information gets not just false, but false in anything that causes controversy in outrage will then get will get spread everywhere in things that are like a true fact that is kind of unremarkable but is still important you know will not get any traction i mean this isn't totally a new problem because you know newspapers don't print an article about how tanks are not rolling through the town square and you know overthrowing the government because that's not news it's just kind of like normal life so like good news doesn't really get play, doesn't get played in the media, even though there are lots of good things that are actually happening. If it bleeds, it leads, kind of thing. exactly. But this is the algorithmic amplification of fake news. That's like the new problem. And say algorithmic amplification. The algorithm Algor- is his, is his, his, his yeah. drum and bass group. I, I thought it was more like a uh, house. Uh, is it just drum and bass? It's drum and bass. It's be about you know the the climate change. The beat is heating up, <laughs> <laughs> like the planet. So Al Gore just speaks over it. Lockbox. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, 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 strategery. it's strategy. <laughs> no, it's totally you're totally right. Like. And that's a problem. And I feel like she's identifying that problem, or at least pointing to it, that you just, a thing existing, like people just shout into the ether. That's the internet, right? But sometimes it like ricochets off the right rock in that chasm, and then other people shout back at it. And then it creates this just, you know, cascade of screaming nonsense of people arguing over bullshit, like if a dog can be twins. or Part of it is chance, but part of it is by design. Well, because they want your time. Yeah. Right? The social media companies want you to spend your time on their product. Yeah. They don't give a fuck what you get out of it. And or if it's ident- making the world die. And they've identified that actually, if you are angry, as Nate said, if you're angry, you spend more time. Because then it's like you need to 
You need to prove you're right. And I've fallen into this trap too many times. That's why I don't handle Reddit for our account anymore. (laughs) You argue with people on the internet and you're like, no, this fucking guy's wrong. I need to tell them why they're wrong. And it's like, that's a a fool's game. That is a stupid thing to do. That's why I should have said that before. This beer tastes as good as proving someone wrong on the internet. That's how good this is. (laughs) So you've... It's something you've never, never had tasted, something though. this good before. <laughs> <laughs> I still just, I still think, I mean, at the very end of the book, she kind of ties them together. So one, my criticism of the book, I didn't give it five stars. I don't know what Nate gave it. Jimmy gave it five. Five, baby, five. You know, I haven't, I haven't put in my rating yet. All right, well, I'm going to try to persuade you to go for four. Uh, four, no more. I'm going to prove him wrong. Um, <laughs> in, the, in a series of tweets... <laughs> I feel like it was two books. I feel like it was two very different things. That is a common critique I read of it. Oh, before I read anything about the book, I had the same thought. I was like, wow, that first part was really different than the second part. And the first part was all about like how the internet sucks. At least that was what I took from it. And I can't say I disagreed. They're like, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. I wish I could. It's like fucking Brokeback Mountain. I just can't quit you, internet. (laughs) <laughs> but then the second half was this like heart-wrenching fucking family drama thing, but also told in tweets. <laughs> it's kind of like, all right, this is a different way to tell this. That if I hadn't read the first part of the book, I would have just thought it was stream of consciousness about the family drama. And then at the very, very, very end, she kind of explicitly ties them together. Like throughout it, you're probably like looking for ways to connect them. But it really is just... I mean, she makes it explicit towards the very end. I can't find the passage right now, but basically something like they didn't know how to be people anymore. Like they didn't know how to communicate and be decent towards each other or to process their feelings. They only knew how to do internet bullshit. But that still doesn't feel like a very good way to make those two halves cohere to me. I'm going to say that I think that they're not, I don't don't sound like it's going to sound like a cop out, but I think it's purposeful that they don't necessarily go together because the point of it is this is how we are now. What happens when something so horrific happens that you've got to deal with it, but you're still like this and we all are like this, especially people like younger than us, like kids, 16, you know, people 15 like through 20 people that are teenagers today, the live their lives. Oh, it's pathetic. Digitally. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know. like to a level that we don't even understand. And, like, and during the pandemic, yeah, can you imagine how awful that. that must have been being a teenager to do? You could not do anything except sit at home and then maybe do your homework, but mostly just be on Instagram. Everything. Like, what else was there to do? Become that, that's how they experience the earth. They don't do something else. You can fucking Snapchat it. I don't care for it. I think it's dumb. But that's the way it is. So it just lo- really it would old lose something, right and suddenly it became like a second half where it was like just went back to normal. The I think the point was like, how do we deal with this? This is how we deal with it, and it's not great. By not <laughs> by treating everything like it's the internet. That's how we. Do, that's how we deal with it. She's not saying that's what we should do. That is, how, she's saying that's what we do do because it's because the internet's shitty. Do do yeah, I'm with you. Do do. <laughs> Okay, I really liked the book. 
But it is so different from anything I've ever read. Which is why really, I think it might win the Booker. That it is, it is okay, I'll, I'll get back to that in a second. It is so different because it's the first pro- thing is that it doesn't have a plot in the first half. It has one kind of plot in the second half, but it almost doesn't have a plot. Like, I really thought it had none for the first half of the book. And it doesn't. doesn't. Not really. Also, it's written in such an incredibly different way of just these weird, it's stream of consciousness, almost tweets, almost like memes. So it's also, it doesn't really have a plot, and it's, except it does, but it doesn't really have a plot, and it's written in a very different way. It is so different from really anything I've really ever read before. So how do I compare it to other stuff? How, how am I comparing this novel to the other novel in terms of stars? I don't know. But I will say it is a very, uh, very rare work of anything, whether it's a book or a movie or a TV show or anything, that makes you both laugh and cry at the same time or in the same like thing. Like That is incredibly hard to do. And she did it. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I might give it five stars just for that. This is coming from Nate, the man too tough to cry, <laughs> as we learned from Perks of Being Wolflayer. Yes, definitely. No, I mean, I, I thought about crying, Nate but just I definitely flexed didn't at us. He just, he just saw tore his dance. the sleeves off of his shirts. Shirt, he's just, he has several shirts on for some reason. <laughs> to contain his muscles. <laughs> to, to try One to. One shirt is never enough. And, and he just ripped them off. There's like 11 bald eagles on that shirt. And... <laughs> He just flexed at us menacingly. His biceps are like my torso. He's got a tricep where a bicep should be. <laughs> In that episode, one of the jokes you made fun of me for was, <laughs> he said, I rebuilt an engine block with my dick. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jimmy said that one. I think that was Jimmy. What episode? I don't remember this at all. That was Perks of Being the Wallflower. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, we were like, this book made me sad, and it was like, not me. <laughs> Just like, oh, Nate's so tough. Oh, <laughs> weak kids don't make me sad. <laughs> it's big pansy. Him and his crying about the Smiths. <laughs> He's just tired of all these kids whining about getting molested. <laughs> Get over it. It's their fault they were so hot. <laughs> Speaking of hot kids. <laughs> so, okay. So I really did like the book a lot, but it is very different from like really anything else. Yeah, now, which is a different question is, I so will it win the Booker? There's no way to fucking know. There is no way to know. It is like they can do anything they want, and it's a different group of people that, does the, that decides it every year. So you can't mm. even go based on consistency because it's a different group of people. Something like Lincoln and the Bardo one, and that one was weird as shit. It was very weird, but it had more of a plot. It did have more of a plot, but like the, it was, the it was very was weird. It was experimental. I think this is weirder. Actually, uh, my yeah. my okay. my gut is telling me that this is too weird to win, and that they will give it to something else. Now, not that I've actually read any of the other five nominees at this point, so have we? I, I, I feel like we read some. Oh, we read well. The fucking Kazuo was a long list. Didn't make the short list though, right? And yeah, that was long. Yeah, and the Wilderment we haven't read yet. Who wrote no uh, Dick Powers book? Oh, Richard Powers. Yeah, like nine hundred pages. His name is Dick Powers, Nathan. You can't have a name like Richard Powers not be called Dick Powers. I don't think it's that long, actually. No, I've it's not. heard it's, it's actually, it's actually it's more it's more vain quite different. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like similar length to this. You know, enough. Well, you know, if you want to try to knock out a few more, 
We've a couple weeks. Well, the yeah, other ones are like 800 pages. So, well, we'll not so have I looked. Ones. I sent you guys the link of the betting website where you could bet on on which Booker nominee is going to win. This it's is the like nerdiest the nerdiest shit in the world. Bewilderment, 288 pages, which is less than half of um, with the Overstory. I'm down. We got to figure anyway, out. What it we're is, it is a very write. it is a very different book. Anyway, so do I know anything about what the Booker judges are going to going to do? There's I have no, no way idea. to know. No way to know. We don't but even know who, do we know who they are? Even they do. My, yeah, you could look it up, but you there's a list. We yeah. don't really and, know who they are, probably. And then some of them might be semi-famous people. But anyway, I my feeling is it's actually too weird to win. Not too weird to get shortlisted because obviously it did get shortlisted, but too weird to win. My thought was it but was the weirdest, so it might win because of that. But it's impossible to predict because, like Lincoln the Bardo, weirdest one. Shuggy Bane, relatively straightforward. Uh, yeah, and other ones we've read, I, I, you know, you know, it's fucking. Who knows? Who knows? I think there's a case could be made either way very easily, and it'll come down to some bullshit that no one is privy to. Does it matter if it wins? I don't give a shit. Well, there's a different group of judges every year, and they, the different group of judges, can do whatever they want. So, so, so basically, you can't even really go by consistency. No, there's no, there's no whatever way to be the writers, whatever the writers want. I'm trying to look on the website to see who the judge of oh, the judges and their thoughts. Okay, this year's judges have a kickball tournament to determine who wins, and they would be within their rights to do so. Okay, I it's in the bylaws. Have not heard of any of these people, though. Occasionally, I have. Yeah, I'm I, trying I, to I see if any of them are American. Because here's the thing: this is an American author, and I, and you know, uh, one of the other other books are about um, uh, other books are about you know, like like Civil War in Ethiopia. No, there's, and there's like there's like three Americans, and three non-Americans on the shortlist, right? Or four and two, or something. There's, this guy is okay. There's one guy, Doctor Rowan Williams, is born in Wales, and and is he's a Christ, he's a priest, or at least he's wearing the. Uh, one of the fucking British. judges is Natasha McElhone or whatever her name is. McElhone? The actress? Yeah. What? Fucking what? That's so weird. Why? Maybe she's an art or a writer and we don't know. No. They credit her on the Booker website. How do you say her name? McElhone? How do you say that name? I have, I have no idea. McElhone, maybe. I have no idea. I actually. I don't know how to no say idea. it out loud. But Natasha M. is a Chick film and theater actor. Yeah, exactly. She's, she's very beautiful and a good actress. But uh, I don't know if she's really... I mean, whatever. I guess she's qualified to judge books now. Um, that's the only, That name, I was like, I recognize that name. That's so weird. Well, she's done... I mean, I don't know. She's done a bunch of Shakespeare. So I want to say that's different. I mean, you have to have some literary chops to, like, you know, be able to do a bunch of Shakespeare and a bunch of classic plays. But that's different than... Because I thought the Booker judges were almost always writers. Other writers. I mean, they might be changing that in recent years to be more, you know, socially aware or some shit. Maybe know? they're just changing it because, it, like, it was such a like a insular community. Yeah, because if they're only giving it to like the literary nerd people, they're only going to give it to the literary nerd books, and that means it's almost always going to be like academic white authors. <laughs> so boring. I mean, shit. This was this was a this was a prize. That was offered to, until recently, any book published in English, as long as it basically wasn't published in the United States, that's a lot of countries 
that are not filled with white people. And it was largely white people who won. Not exclusively, but probably more often than not, it was a white person who won that award. Nine times out of ten. So uh, they might be kind of trying to balance that out a little bit. Maybe they're just trying to keep relevant or become relevant. One of the judges is a basically a book critic. Sounds like she worked for the Telegraph. I think she must be British, but I could be wrong. This is Horatia Herod. That sounds, sounds like British a fucking name. Harry Potter name. Does. I don't think... Well, Natasha McElhone. Is she American? She's British. Because here's the thing. This is an American book that is kind of about American politics and is kind of... I mean, I guess it's not in totally American, or at least the first half felt like it was like American... Uh, politics and, and critical critis- criticizing kind of stuff, which maybe if they're non Brit, if they're non American judges, then they wouldn't go for that, or maybe they would. I don't know. It could go either way. But anyway, it's totally different judges every time, so you can't even go based on consistency because they can go give it to whoever they want. I mean, it is a it is like a huge amount of work to be able to do this because you have to read a hundred and sixty books. I mean, basically, reading is your job. You have to read 160, 170 books in one year and be able to, like, you know, discuss them within a lot of detail. I mean, probably we, I mean, we do a lot of books, but they do twice as many, three times as many in one year. So... That would be, I mean, we do have day jobs, but they have more this, successful for them, Patreon. this is their day job. <laughs> they have more successful Patreon pages, yes. I think I told you, I talked about, at one point I read this article about a guy who was a judge one year for the National Book Award, and he read so much that he detached his retina from just... Yikes. It, and he, and he, he, was like, he admitted, like, he'd get halfway through a book, like, no, this book isn't going to win, I'm not gonna even going to finish it. And he had to buy a special bookshelf just to house all of the books that he got, like the 300 books that were sent to his house for him to read, that the bookshelf collapsed under the weight of it. Like he bought some shitty, you know, like Walmart bookcase, and it broke, and he detached his retina (laughs) from reading so much. So the people who do this for, you know, and this was a guy who was like a, he was an editor or something. So really uh, used to reading a great deal. It It is a crazy amount of reading to do. Uh, but there's there's no like rubric, you know. They kind of go by whatever they think is special or whatever. But we'll see. Maybe I'll convince the other guys to read some of the other books, and we'll 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 have a better sense of what we think should win this year. Well, there's not much time. We have, yeah. We could get through a couple of them. So avoid the long ones. Let's hope they don't win. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pray. This is the shortest. Nobody but else has read the, them. A bunch of the other ones are also pretty short. Not much longer. So anyway, I did really like it. I wouldn't be sad if it won. Definitely not. I thought it was one of the most original things I've read in a long time. Yeah, I'd agree. Sometimes people are original for originality's sake. It doesn't work. But I think it does work, this one. I think it helps that she's a poet, first and foremost. So it helps to make short, disjointed, nice sentences. But yeah, I, I, I would have trouble saying who should read this i don't know if this is for everyone i think it's going to turn off a lot of people who are just casual readers but it's also but so i would fast recommend it without if you're not a big reader yeah. you could plow through it yeah and i think i think even people that don't read a lot could get it i could understand if they didn't like it but i i would not hesitate from recommending it to everyone whether or not 
I think that everyone would get it or like it. I liked it too. I just feel like the two parts of the book felt a little disjointed. And it kind of went through a phase in the middle where it's a transition. It was like, what what is this book about? Because in the beginning, it's all about the internet. And then it's like, is this about abortion rights? Not really. Is this about exploiting medical patients and people with... It's about the internet, which is about everything all the time. Sure, that's true. But it was also kind of a lame excuse to make a 200-page book that's about everything. I'm just saying, if the point is that the internet is happening all the time, everywhere, to everyone, about all things. There's no transitions. You just got to deal with shit as it happens. Well, I guess so. I don't know. I liked it. I gave it four stars. It's still great. I, re- I still recommend it to people, but uh, I don't I know. If read Priest Daddy. I do. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I am interested in reading that. I, am. I, I do want to know how her father became a married Catholic priest. He was like a. He converted to being a Lutheran and then converted back. I think he was never a Catholic. I think he became a Catholic, and then they were like, oh, maybe. "As long as you're paying, as long as you're paying your he tithe, got grand priest daddied in." Oh uh, yes, granddaddied in. That's a very different <laughs> legal thing. Granddaddy in. I think I have that series of DVDs. Uh, yeah, I like <laughs> Granddaddy in Medea. That's my favorite one. The interracial one. <laughs> Did you you know you see the special the um the guy that got on. Fire from Saturday Night Live before even being on it. Shane Shane Gillis, whatever. He just put out a comedy uh, extended special for forty five minutes on like on YouTube familiar. and stuff. And he said his his dad lives in rural Pennsylvania and his dad referred to the movie uh Hidden Figures, you know, about the uh the black oh, no. yeah, as mm-hmm. Medea goes to the moon. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that sounds like rural Pennsylvania though. <laughs> Honestly, it sounds a little bit too clever for rural Pennsylvania. <laughs> I mean, that is pretty funny. That's fucking great. It's horrendous, <laughs> but really funny. It's like, oh, you mean Medea goes to the moon, right? <laughs> Just, Jesus Christ, dude. You put thought into that. So I guess if you're Speaking into... thought. <laughs> I guess if you're into, uh, you know, modern literature and, you know, Experimental stuff for sure. You should read it. It's the most modern literature it can get, without being uber pretentious. Her reputation is that of a like shockingly high brow, low brow writer. Like beautiful flowery language about buttholes. Charles Dickens, if he was on Twitter, you know, just Charles Dickens, <laughs> Dick in. Yeah, Dickums. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, that's what that's what her reputation is like. These like uh, incredible prose about the most mundane, dumb shit. And she, her, her, she's known for her Twitter feed, which is just stuff like this constantly, all the time. And if I had Twitter, I'd I'd consider checking it out, but I refuse. Well, if you have a social media account, you can follow us. Though I I, I really feel like the theme of the book is that you shouldn't. <laughs> you should just not use it. You can try. But if you haven't listened at all to what we've been saying, because <laughs> this episode's Tell us long. what you thought. <laughs> Send yeah. us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. There's also always Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub to support the podcast financially and spiritually. And you can uh, also be our friend on Goodreads and you can come into our feed. 
Mm. Feed me, Seymour. Feed me. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Mm.